Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, when the team that you cover gets eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs, after the first day of them not playing hockey, it feels like it's been many, many days since we've discussed hockey. But literally, it's only been, what, two? But it feels like it's been forever. I think that's been the story of quarantine to this point, which about is, is about as morbid of an introduction as I could possibly do. So I will just say hello, everybody. Welcome back to Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. It is what Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. My name is Danny Webster, and I appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which, first of all, my apologies for not getting an episode up yesterday. Second of all, we now dive in to the offseason for the Vegas Golden Knights. We have a little bit of time to discuss what in the world is going to happen with this team from now until really the draft in the first week of October and then eventually free agency, which opens 9 a.m. Pacific time on October 9th. So there is a lot to digest and a lot to get to between now and then. And we will try and break down as much as we can to get you all ready for free agency. So we'll be tackling different storylines each day for as much as we can on how this roster will shape up past October 9th. But we will start with the elephant in the room, and I know that really that's the only thing that we can seem to talk about at this point, but really until something happens or doesn't happen, this is going to be the main news topic for the Golden Knights until something is done. Today, the Golden Knights held their end-of-season media availabilities. The Golden Knights' top players met with the media this morning. Shea Theodore, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, Paul Stasny... Alec Martinez, but not Marc-Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard. Now, under normal circumstances, those two would be flooded by their lockers, by media, in the most absurdly sized of scrums. But with teams controlling the Zoom participants and deciding who gets to talk and who doesn't, or whether they actually pull straws, and if you get the shortest straw, you have to talk that day, whichever it may be, The Golden Knights did not make the two goalies available to the media. The two goalies who have been involved in every news cycle since February 24th. They did not speak to the media. With them not talking, the onus was on Kelly McCrimmon to shed some details on the goalie situation and how it pertains going forward. We will hear from Pete DeBoer and Kelly McCrimmon about that later on in the show. In regards to fitting both Leonard and Flurry under a flat cap, McCrimmon did not say how that was going to go, and he did not have the answers at this time to even entertain the idea that carrying one or both would be in the cards. When asked how the relationship was between Kelly McCrimmon and Marc-Andre Fleury, McCrimmon said that he thinks the relationship is good in spite of the Alan Walsh photo that broke the dang internet, which seems like forever ago, but it was really only two, three weeks ago. At least it seems like that sounds about right. 
But McCrimmon says that he and Flurry have a good relationship, and they did everything but to block out the outside noise. But while it may be good to think that McCrimmon and Flurry have a good relationship and to really kind of teeter on the PR corrective side of this whole thing. Kelly McCrimmon also failed to answer if Marc-Andre Fleury will be on the team next season. It was a direct question asking if he thought Fleury would be on the team next year, and McCrimmon did not get to that answer. It was the same question in which it was asking what the relationship was between himself and Marc-Andre Fleury, but to not have an answer, or at least maybe in this instance, not remember to answer if Marc-Andre Fleury will be on the team next year. This doesn't make it any less weird of a situation. Free agency is October 9th. 9 a.m. is when the doors will open. Businesses will be had, trades, signings, whatever the case may be. The Golden Knights have until October 9th to get something done with Robin Leonard and in the meantime to figure out what to do with Marc-Andre Fleury. Based on the reports of the Golden Knights still say, not confirming or denying, more so denying it, but based on the reports that the Golden Knights have a long-term deal on the table for Robin Leonard in the cards, that doesn't make this any less of a sticky situation if you are the Golden Knights. And I get it. The Golden Knights don't like to discuss contract situations until pen is put on paper. That has been the mantra for all three years now, and it's going to continue to stay that way. But the fact that McCrimmon did not confirm if he thought Fleury was going to be back on the team next year, I would find that a bit concerning if I was a Golden Knights fan. And maybe it's because McCrimmon isn't as forthcoming as George McPhee would be in this situation. Maybe George McPhee would be a little more blunt. Maybe George McPhee would be a little bit more dart on the bullseye there. But I would take that for what you will. And yet that's just the tip of the iceberg because we're going to be discussing these developments as we go forward toward the draft and free agency, which again is in three weeks time. It doesn't seem like it's that far away, but with how the Golden Knights were in a bubble for 52 days, even that didn't seem like it was a long time. It feels like just yesterday they were in the round robin. Feels like just yesterday they were playing Chicago in the first round. Three weeks is going to go by just like that. And the Golden Knights do not have a lot of time to figure out how in the world they're going to fit Marc-Andre Fleury and or Robin Leonard into their future plans. Coming up in a little bit, we will discuss Pete DeBoer's role in this whole thing. And at the end of the day, how he cannot be the one taking the fall for this operation. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry honey I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship to you with a free two-day free shipping plan. 
Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Between never-ending laundry cycles and incoming emails, you've got plenty on your to-do list. Give yourself one listing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. DoorDash is the app that brings you food to your craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and even the Cheesecake Factory, because right now, who wouldn't like a nice slice of cheesecake knowing that the Golden Knights are out of the playoffs now? Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Again, that's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And as a reminder, friends, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you'd like to send an email, because emails are fun too, even in 2020 when times are weird and communication may not make sense, well, Actually, communication never made sense to begin with for the last decade or so. LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com is the way to get in touch with us. And again, I appreciate you hanging out with me today. It means a lot. It means a lot that, you know, you're probably kicking by the campfire or kicking by the fireplace and drinking a cup of tea or cocoa and listening to this podcast. If, if you're listening to a podcast by a, by a fireplace, that that is some ambiance that I don't think we need to be going to at this moment. But you know what? Regardless. Appreciate you hanging out with me today. Before we continue on with this goalie talk, and again, this is just one of many storylines we'll be discussing for the next number of weeks. I think we can all agree on the fact that Pete DeBoer never asked for a trade for a goalie. I don't think he went into Kelly McCrimmon's office on the morning of February 24th and said, I really don't like the way we're getting the play out of our goalies. Please trade for one. It doesn't matter who it is. Just get rid of Subban so we can just move on. I don't think that was the case. If Pete DeBoer really didn't have a choice, I don't think he would have had a problem going between Malcolm Subban and Marc-Andre Fleury. As much as rotating starts or splitting starts or however many starts he would have gotten between then and the end of the regular season had we been under normal circumstances, I don't think it would have changed many things. Probably the Golden Knights would have rode everything the rest of the way. They would have had enough to make the playoffs and probably win the division title. So maybe that's not the best way to go about it. But Pete DeBoer did say today that his handling of the goalie sitchin, goalie sitchin, goalie sitchin, that sounds like kitchen, goalie situation was consistent from day one. Now, albeit probably not because he didn't really rotate the goalies like he said he was going to do, but his response to how he decided to handle the goalies this year really caught my ear. And we will listen to Pete DeBoer on that very subject. You're opening the door to, to talk about this, so I'm, I'll, I'll give you my insight into it, uh, and as frank as I can be. Uh, when we traded for Robin, uh, Robin, uh, when you look at the stats over the, the previous two years, uh, has been an elite goalie in the league in two different situations on two different teams. 
in almost every category. And uh, we played them, basically split them in, into the paws. Uh, and, uh, you know, Robin played at an elite level and, and Flower played at a very good level. Um, we came out of the paws, went into training camp. Uh, again, I, I went in with the idea that if, if both guys played at an equal level, we would have given Flower the, uh, the starts out of respect and what he's done for the franchise here. But Flower came into, came into camp and, and unfortunately had an injury. Robin played at a really elite level. We split them through the round robin. Uh, robin, again, was at an elite level. Flower was at a very good level. And, and uh, you know, we, we made that tough decision. And uh, I don't regret that. Um, no, no one has more respect for, for Flower as a person or a teammate or his uh, resume and what he's done for this franchise and through his career. Uh, but we made the decisions that, that gave us the best opportunity to win. And, uh, you know, we're going to do that again going forward. Now, Kelly McCrimmon said that DeBoer wasn't even in the know that Vegas was going to be in the market for a goalie. Again, it was a primarily a decision between McCrimmon, the rest of the management, and the pro staff in deciding to go after Robin Leonard. So this was a move predicated on the higher-ups, not really predicated on DeBoer's desire for someone to either challenge Flurry or even get a decent backup in return. This would be what Kelly McCrimmon had to say this morning about that as well. Uh, again, uh, interestingly, at that time, it was uh, management and the pro staff that felt uh, the strongest about uh, improving our goaltending. If, uh, if anything happened with Mark andre we, we felt that we had done a really good job of building our team. We liked a lot of things about our team, but we thought we were at risk, which we were, of course, trying to, uh, trying to minimize. But, um, you know, the first seven games, I guess the only seven games after the trade deadline, uh, Peter rotated the goalies and, um, you know, who's to say if we'd have finished the regular season and the playoffs began in April like they ordinarily would, um, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened. But, you know, as a manager, your last chance to improve your team is at the trade deadline. Uh, when you look uh, just in the kind of 10 days leading up to the trade deadline, it was the trade for Alec Martinez, who uh, was a great contributor to our team. We added Nick Cousins right at the deadline to give us more depth uh, at forward. And then the morning of uh, the trade deadline, we, uh, of course, added uh, Robin. And from there, you know, you hand the team to the coaches and they, uh, and they coach the team. I don't think that uh, it's, uh, it's wise or healthy to have – uh, management uh, making lineup decisions. I don't think that that's how it works in the NHL. I don't think it's how it, it should work. And uh, Peter felt really confident after we went through uh, phase two and phase three that Robin was uh, the guy that was going to give us the best chance to win. And that's, uh, that's his job. That's his job. And was it uh, unfortunate for Marc-Andre Fleury and, and, uh, and uh, his situation? It really was. And to uh, have empathy for, uh, for him and how that played out, I really do. But it was not, uh, you know, as some are suggesting, it was not the master plan. In fact, uh, Pete was uh, not even uh, that interested in us acquiring a goalie at the trade deadline. As I mentioned, it was more um, management and our pro scouting staff that felt uh, real strongly about it. So, you know, that's, uh, that's how it played out. And, 
you know, I, uh, I support uh, Peter fully. Uh, he's our head coach, and he makes uh, those decisions. I know uh, exactly what his reasons are for picking his lineup any night that we play. Uh, it's about uh, it's about winning and icing the lineup that you feel gives you the best chance to win. So uh, I respect uh, those decisions, and that's um, you know that's that's the that's the history of the motivation behind the deal and what uh, and what happened along the way. So you hear all of this, you hear all of this discussion, and again, we don't even know if Mark Andre Fleury is going to be on the team in three weeks. So let let's all just take this with a grain of salt. Goes back to my initial thought of when DeBoer was hired in January 15th that anything less than a spot in the conference final would have been a disaster on the front office's hands. So they went out and got the right guys that they thought would be perfect reinforcements to help DeBoer lead this team, which would eventually become his, to a Stanley Cup. They tried to reinforce the assets by getting Alec Martinez, by Nick Cousins, and eventually Robin Leonard. They succeeded, obviously, because they ended up winning the division title, and up until the pause, they w- they cruise to the round robin, they win their first two series, they get to the conference final for the second time in three years, and they were playing so well to that point that everything should have been fine. And, it, and at the end of the day, what I think we can all also agree on, is that it was ended up being Pete DeBoer's decision to play Robin Leonard, and he even admitted to that as well, as we heard in the audio just now. The decision to play Leonard over Fleury, had it been any different, it probably would have been if we were under normal circumstances. And even DeBoer mentioned, if we were under, if we were playing a regular, a regular regular season, and we were going through the final what eleven games. And we would see Flurry Leonard, Flurry Leonard, Flurry Leonard, Flurry Leonard. I don't think anybody would bat an eye. And then if you get into the playoffs and you're on that same wavelength, then I also wonder what would have happened. Who would have started game one under normal circumstances? Would have been Mark Andre Flurry? Would have been Robin Leonard? We we may never know. The pause at the end of the day, I think, ends up giving Robin Leonard a long-term deal with the Golden Knights, whereas Mark Andre Flurry has probably suited up for the Golden Knights. For the very last time. But because of what's transpired by management decision to get a goalie with the quality of Leonard, it's his net going forward. And if there is a five-year, $25 million, which has been reported, if there is a deal of that term, of that money, then trade talks surrounding Flurry will ramp up within the next few weeks. Because the last thing the Golden Knights want to do is drag this to October 9th. But As far as it goes with DeBoer, maybe he does rotate the two a little more. He did touch on the fact that Flurry came into training camp with an injury that kind of slowed and derailed his progress. Flurry's not going to admit to that, and nor would we even get a chance to ask him of that to this point. But the coach has always given the team that he's dealt, and it is up to him to figure out who is the best one to give you the chance to win. And again, he thought for the for the majority of this playoff run, Pete DeBoer thought Robin Leonard was the guy that was going to give you the best chance to win every single night. I thought the same way when certain guys weren't playing under Gerard Gallant. I mean, certain young guys were not playing, you know, the, certain guys that should not that should not be playing were playing and and Pete DeBoer is no exception. So he is given the cards that he's dealt. It is up to him to put the best product on the ice. 
The only thing that you could probably criticize the board for this whole thing is if did he play the right guys in the right situations and did he play the wrong guys instead? That is another situation that we can discuss later on in the coming weeks. So this is only one of many storylines that we'll tackle between now and the draft. There's a lot more to get to, and we'll focus on that tomorrow. And we'll start with that tomorrow. But for right now, Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee have to iron out a lot between now and early October. I don't know exactly what that's going to entail. I don't think any of us have any idea what that's going to mean. I don't know if that's going to mean buying out Marc-Andre Fleury's contract. I don't know if that's going to mean outright trading him and maybe retaining like 30 or 35% of salary. I don't know exactly what's going to entail between now and then because the Golden Knights like to keep everything close to the vest. And if there is a possibility that they're that they got a trade for Mark Andre Fleury on the table, they'll probably take this up as long as they can until they can finally lock down Robin Leonard long term. And then the question becomes, well, what do you do with backup goalie? Which is another situation that I think even if you went with Fleury, you would have to discuss to that point. So we have plenty of time to t- to discuss this whole situation. We have plenty of time to dive in to what exactly is happening with the Golden Knights. And while we have time, it may not seem like a lot of time. So McCrimmon and McPhee have a lot to iron out between now and October 9th. Coming up next, can the New York Islanders force a game seven? We will preview game six of the Eastern Conference final right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, a long-standing partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now back with a new look and new feel. Built Bar has six new flavors ready for you to try. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, sea lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those six new flavors will go great with their 12 originals, including coconut almond, mint brownie, salted caramel, toffee almond, coconut, and peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate, are soft and easy to chew. They're great for the health-conscious person, and you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. If you act now by going to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. You'll also get a free cooler with your next purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. That's B-U-I-L-T-Bar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. So before we talk a little bit about Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals, some news that, well, some news that we didn't get to yesterday, as well as some news that went down today. The first of it being that the Washington Capitals have a new head coach, and it is not Gerard Gallant, which I, which I thought actually would have worked out pretty well for that team. Peter Laviolette is now the coach of the Washington Capitals, signed a three-year contract to replace Todd Reardon, who is now back with Pittsburgh as an assistant coach after he spent two years replacing Barry Trotz, who led the Capitals to a Stanley Cup. You can see where there's a lot of confusion and how Washington's approach to getting a new coach did not make any sense. But Peter Laviolette, who was fired from the Nashville Predators earlier this year, is now the head coach of the Washington Capitals, and I'm going to be very interested in seeing how that dynamic plays out. Peter Laviolette is a guy who is a very 
firm, very rah-rah kind of guy, and he's very close to the vest. I don't know if that's going to work with this dynamic with the Capitals, but I'll be very interested to see how the likes of Alex Ovechkin, how Evgeny Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson, uh, John Carlson, TJ Oshie. I want to see how they handle things going forward, especially knowing that they are letting Braden Holpe test free agency with all the confidence in the world, it appears, to be going to Ilya Samsonov as the future netminder in Washington. So very interesting situation there with uh, Washington. Also, a trade today between the Minnesota Wild and the Buffalo Sabres. Eric Stahl is on his way to Buffalo for Marcus Johansson. One for one, the deal is. Eric Stahl gets to play again with Jeff Skinner. And the the Buffalo Sabres, surprisingly, I think may have won this trade. Because I'm not sure exactly... <laughs> If any trade Buffalo makes between now and the end of time, or at least until they ever win a Stanley Cup, I don't know if they can constitute as a win, but if Eric Stahl now slides into your second center spot, you're looking pretty good down the middle than when you did before. So good move for Buffalo, decent move for Minnesota. You're not really sure what they're going to be doing for their center depth going forward, but if you're Buffalo... To do this one for one, I would call this a win for Buffalo. Big trade there. And again, Stahl brings some experience. He becomes the second center behind Jack Eichel. I I think that works out pretty well for them because they need more veteran guys. They need more guys who will be able to put points on the board. Stahl has been a 70-point scorer for God knows how long. He'll, He'll fit right in. And I think that this will be a trade that might work out for Buffalo. They can iron out every other kink that has plagued that franchise since 1999. Then they're in good shape. But until then, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Game six of the Eastern Conference Final is tomorrow. The New York Islanders survived the other night by winning 2-1 to one in overtime. Jordan Everly with the winner. The Lightning now lead the series three games to two. Again, though, the big key here is that the Lightning were not without, or the Lightning were without Braden Point, who also missed game three, which was an Islanders 5-3 victory. When Braden Point is in the lineup, I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay is going to win that game and win the series. If not, it looks like New York has a chance. And as I think we discussed when Vegas was eliminated, teams are now 35-1 and when leading, a three, when leading in the conference final three games to one. The only team to come back from a 3-1 deficit in the conference final was the 2000 New Jersey Devils, who went on to beat the Stars in the Stanley Cup. So history is not on New York's side. However, if in fact... Braden Point is back, and if they can at least get the guys healthy that they need to be healthy, and of course we're not counting Steven Stamkos because he's going to be out for probably the rest of the playoff run. If Braden Point is back in the lineup tomorrow, I see no reason why Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, good Lord, I don't see any reason why Tampa Bay doesn't win in game six tomorrow night. I, I just think that the when Tampa is rolling as it is, unless Semyon Varlamov stands on his head or Thomas Grice, whoever it is, unless they turn unless they turn in some masterful performances in game six and in game seven, I just don't think New York has enough to keep up with them. And really when you got Tampa rolling with those, with those guys as healthy as they are, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle for the Islanders, but Hey, you win another game and you win the defensive battle and you get better goaltending for one more night over Andre Vasilevsky, then you've got a shot. I just don't know how much more the Islanders can put up with that. Meanwhile, the Dallas stars are just chilling 
after dispatching of the Golden Knights in the Western Conference Final. So, that is that, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back tomorrow, probably giving you a breakdown of Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final, as well as talking about more storylines that involve this team More than likely, it's going to be about guys who might be expecting to be traded this offseason. I'm just saying, because there are names that might be in consideration to be on the move to not only clear salary cap space, but to give Peter DeBoer the guys that he needs going forward if he wants to make another deep run. So that will do it for me, everybody. Thank you for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing. All of that jazz is greatly appreciated. Again, follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. Follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Send an email to LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com if that suits your fancy. And we will be back tomorrow. Technical problems be damned if we aren't. So we'll be back tomorrow to discuss more of the Golden Knights offseason as well as Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final. Until then, everybody, my name is Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a good night, everybody.